be like The song hit me hard this morning, and welcome to another episode of the Thick and Thin Podcast. As always, it's me, Anthony Cardoza. Sorry, I think the volume's a little bit high. Let me adjust that so I'm not blaring in your headphones. Monday morning. Hope this day finds you well, guys. I want to apologize for the delay in episodes. I know, I'm a sick son of a bitch. The whole thing with Josh, guys, is... He's super busy, and we live about four or five cities apart, so it's not ideal, but I will say that we're going to get him on this Wednesday. I swear it. I will lose my fucking left toe if I do not get him on this podcast. (laughs) Okay, so it's going to happen. I promise. Also, I'm going to do another episode on Wednesday with Daniel Haley. So we got two heavy hitters, guys, coming at you. A one-two combo. Ba-da-doom, ba-da-doom. Okay, uh... Josh, like I said before, we have some war stories, me and this guy. I'll I'll tell you a little one right now. This is just a a, a little preview for what you guys can see coming, okay? So when I started Muay Thai when I was about 18, right? And it was, we'll get into the whole thing with Josh. But anyway, me and him start training together. He gives me a pair of his shorts, which is sort of a big deal for a student. So I'm rocking his shorts for about a year. Eventually, I go to Thailand. In Thailand, all the Thais start staring at my shorts because the writing's in Thai. I don't know what it says. It's supposed to say baby face killer, right? So I, the coaches kind of trip out on me a little bit. I don't really get what's going on. And three days later, once they realize I'm cool, they tell me my shorts that it doesn't say baby face killer. It says baby killer. So <laughs> they're like, what the fuck's wrong with this guy? <laughs> so I got rid of the shorts and... Um, that was the baby killer moment, but stuff like this, guys. We got high speed pursuits. We're talking street fights, cops involved, chaos, all kinds of crazy wild shit. And on top of that, we're gonna kind of bring it full circle to where he's at now, which is a family man, um, a coach, you know, that sort of thing. And and the transition and the mindset that goes into that kind of thing. So it's gonna be really good. I promise you. Uh, we're at 51 episodes now. Can't believe it. It seems like yesterday I started this thing, but. I can't thank you guys enough for the support, um, the feedback. You know, I had a guy come up to me in the gym the other day and start telling me a little bit about himself. And uh, that's one of the coolest things to me. Just sometimes I feel like I put a little bit too much of myself out there. But then moments like that where someone feels like they can come up to me and talk to me because of all the dumb shit I've said about myself, <laughs> it feels really good. And I know that that's why we're doing this. We had a, a buddy reach out to us this weekend. You know who you are. I love you, brother. And... um talk about some help that he might need and um, I'm in a position where I was able to tell him you know I got my buddy Andrew Momo who was on and he works at Intake for Impact guys so if you think you might need help we have the tools to get you the help that you need I fucking swear we do okay and it it's not gonna be the easiest thing you've ever done but I guarantee you it's gonna be a lot better than the situation you're in now okay so keep your head up whoever you are there's people out there that care I promise you okay that being said Daniel is coming on on Wednesday as well he wants to talk sort of about the system and um, sort of what pertained to me and sort of the panic attacks and how my doctor put me on this medication and then they ended up wanting me to go to a medical place to monitor me and this and that and I ended up not doing any of it but 
sort of the system and, and how it works because he works as a drug counselor. He's certified. He works uh, at inpatient place and he sees this shit on a daily. So he's one of the most knowledgeable about the book, the readings, the study, the God stuff, and as well as just the, the institution itself and the system and how it works. And he see people come in, go out, die, live, succeed, fail, everything. So we're going to pick his brain a little bit more on that. Okay, so don't worry, guys. We got a one-two combo coming for you guys. ba ba bam. That being said, I want to say to my buddy Darren Smith, uh, those of you guys that know him, he's a hell of an MMA fighter. He's got a great record. He's fought everybody. He's beat some of the best, and he's one of those guys that nobody wants to fight. And unfortunately, because of that, he's forced to you know struggle a little bit, and it really sucks because he's a top athlete. This guy works his ass off in the gym, and he's joining the military now. He's going to the Army. And I just want to say thank you, sir, for your service. And I want to say a quote from Edmund Burke who said, The only thing necessary for the triumph of evil is for good men to do nothing. That's always sat hard with me. Because if you have the ability to help someone, you should fucking do it. Otherwise, why are we here? Right? You have a, a chance to do something. You have a chance to help someone and you're sitting on your ass? Come on, man. So we're not all able-bodied able like this guy is. And um, he's a little bit older, so I think he's going to have a clear advantage going in there. When you're 18, a lot of times the boot camp and stuff like that, the only reason it's hard is because you're so flustered from everything, from these life events, and this is probably the biggest thing you've ever done. Someone that stepped in the ring before, these moments are going to seem sort of fleeting. It's not going to seem that big of a deal. It's all about attention to detail. Any military member will tell you that. If they say sit down, you sit down. You don't look right, look left, and then sit down. It's super simple. And once you get through that and you sort of get the flow of things at a certain clock you're on, that's what you got to do. And after that, you go do whatever the hell you want to do. It gets easier and it gets better. And there's a lot of benefits to join, joining the military. I know they pay for school. They pay for um, your career, anything you want to do, stuff like that. There's a lot of medical benefits, dental benefits. I got all that shit that worked on me um, when I was in there and uh, definitely helped structure some of my life. And as fucked up as I am, I know the only reason I do have some sense of structure is from that. So it also got me out of being a shithead. I was a little, I was horrible in high school. I was the biggest douchebag in the world. That's something I really regret is trying to be cool and tough and stuff like that in high school. It's just like, Jesus Christ. <laughs> Been so much easier if I didn't take myself so seriously. So that's my advice to younger cats out there. This weekend, there was some UFC fights. It was time. So a lot of people were talking to me and sent me a couple messages on Usman. And he was jabbing this guy up and uh, Masvidal and he was able to land his overhand right. Freddie Roach, I've been watching The Contender. There's an episode, there's a season where Freddie Roach versus uh, Nassim Richardson, who are two of my favorite coaches. So just being able to watch them work with fighters was like watching Beethoven put the symphony together. You know what I mean? It's really beautiful. And you could pick up little things here and there if you're really paying attention. And both teams always preach, and any boxer fighter will tell you, establish the jab. If you know the same thing with Muay Thai, it's your teep, right? Establish your jab. If you could hit them with your jab, everything else is behind that punch. Jab right hand, jab across the body, jab head kick, whatever the case is. But that's what Usman does so well. He has that heavy, straight, fucking shotgun jab. Bam, bam, and it opens you up. It's not the hardest shot. It's not going to knock you out. It's put some people down. But overall, it's going to open you up for the next shot, which is what it's all about. That's how the game of chess is played. You set things up. So for Usman, jab the head, jab the body. When you jab the body, their elbows close a little bit in, leaving them exposed for that overhand right. And that's what Freddie Roach teaches on the show all the time. He, tell him what, he tells it with Pacquiao, you know, and 
Every fighter, he always says, you know, establish your jab. Stick him with the jab, follow it. Jab to the body, overhand right. He always preaches that. So when Usman did it, it's just he's an intelligent fighter. There was no, he's trying to miss. He's trying, no, he was setting it up the whole time. And that's what he does. That's what GSP does. That's why when GSP fights, you'll see he'll jab, jab, takedown. Because they're worried about that jab. And nobody done, has done it better than these two guys. Nobody, in my opinion. Just that setting that jab, bat, 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 you know, opening him up. Beautiful, because in MMA, the smaller gloves, a lot of times you can get caught while you're trying to set it up. So that's the reason that a lot of people don't want to stick to that plan. But if you have that discipline like Usman did, you're going to have the result like he did. And hats off. I think he's a great fucking champion, and I'm a huge fan. So that, that's my little take on that, guys. Also, there was a couple broken legs. There was two broken legs. Um, and I just want to say this. If you guys don't train, it's uh, go get like a little stick, like a... You know, like maybe the end of a bat or something. Just clack your shin. Clack your shin. You'll you'll feel how much it hurts. You know, when we're used to skateboard, if the board popped up and cracked you in the shin, woo, that was game over, right? So you got to think about it all day long. You're getting your shin and you're smacking into someone's other shin or their arm or their um, forearm or bones and whatnot. And it always hurts. You know, I remember I was training with Johnson and he said, suck it up, buddy. Someone asked, how do you strengthen your shin so it doesn't hurt anymore? He's like, it's always going to hurt. Suck it up. You know, and after a while, if you train, you start to realize it doesn't bother you as much. And if you stop for a few months and you go back, it goes right back to being sensitive because you could strengthen the bone. Every time you hit it in, it recalcifies. It gets a little bit stronger. But overall, it's a very sensitive spot and it's your body gets used to the trauma. It's not going to ever go away, but it gets easier with time. And when you swing that little shin, that concentrated point at another shin, that impact it has is tremendous. It's like a chain reaction you feel from a point in your shin it goes and it's warm and you can feel all over your whole body because your body registers that was fucked up i remember when i was really really skinny like 135 pounds i people used to kick me and i would check it and i would just stare at them because they could see in their eyes how much it hurt and i was like yeah kick me again if you kick me you're gonna get hurt and it fucking hurt me to check don't get me wrong but it was just the look in their eye i could see the defeat that would come from it they, they don't want to throw at me because they're gonna get hurt and um and now, nowadays, I try to check and then follow up and stuff like that. But that was something I've always, you know, it, I always registered how much it hurt. <laughs> so I never just threw leg kicks randomly. But that's just my two cents on that. And, you know, it's easy to break those shin bones. When you're swinging them full force at another shin bone, that thing will, will break. So it's important to set up and to, you know, make sure that your target isn't expecting it coming. So that's the name of the game. So that's my little take on the broken legs. But, uh, yeah. I also went up to Idlewild this weekend, guys. It's pretty cool. Uh, for those of you guys that haven't been or maybe saw my Instagram post, I'll say it's Big Bear on steroids. It's just the view was fucking epic. It was probably my top one or two views of all time. I went to Hawaii with uh, uh, my ex, Nikki, and uh, my uh, best friends, uh, Sandra and Noodles. And we were sitting out there, and when the sun set in Hawaii... The, the rays hit the water at like a certain angle where it looks like the whole water is sort of kind of like on fire a little bit. It was fucking epic. And there was like a whale in the background. I was like, Jesus Christ. <laughs> then God came down and said, hello, my son. Shall we dance? And we did. But Idlewild was sort of, it kind of had that similar feel where the we were above the clouds, but it looked like an ocean. It looked like we were on an island. It was crazy. So beautiful. And I was going for hikes at sunrise and sunset and sitting out there with my coffee and contemplating the universe and all that kind of stuff. So 
really good, really good for me, really good break. Um, the only thing I'll say is that I think the town's a little bit racist. <laughs> you forget about that kind of stuff. Um, obviously not because of the news and stuff. But for me personally, I'd just been home so much. I hadn't been out in the real world. And when I went, I went to... Um, I went into town and it was, I always get pissed off when it's sort of a locals only vibe because one, if there's no tourism, your shop will close. So why are you a dickhead to people that go there? It just doesn't make sense to me. You know, we're paying your bills, asshole. But it could have been that or it could have been a little bit of racism. I'm not too sure. Um, I didn't really give a shit either way, but you know, I went in there and uh, they have a nice little town. They have uh, places to drink coffee and lots of Italian food for some reason. Uh, sweet soda pop, candy shops, uh, hunting stores, that kind of shit. So it was cool just to kind of walk around for a couple of days. Uh, we did a bunch of trails and stuff like that. I had a lot of fun. I was glad I went. Um, and then coming home, I sort of had this melancholy feel. I don't really know what it was. And I think last night talking to a friend about it, it's sort of, this is the next chapter of my life. And it's, it's sort of weird. Like my buddy, Brett, you know, he's, uh, he's got a beautiful wife and a beautiful son and, He's doing his thing and, um, you know, I was tripping out on it kind of just how far we've come from, we used to fist fight when we were bored or, you know, getting arrested by the cops or, you know, taking drugs and running, running through a school after the cops were chasing us and shit like that and having each other's back. And now you see him start his own family and have his own thing. And, you know, part of me kind of wants that. I was like, yeah, maybe I could have a kid and I could start my family and have my tradition. So I know who I'm putting my energy into and who's has my back and be those people that were with me from day one. And no matter what the bullshit was or, you know, this person said this and this person said that, it's, you know, a lot of those things you can't control. But if you have that establishment, like, you know, I know with my brother, it's sort of, we always grew up and I don't think he liked me very much <laughs> growing up, you know, because I was really small. All you guys knew me, I was like 120 pounds and very like, uh, you know, I was a weenie. And then I tried to get really tough and stuff like that to compensate. And my brother always had to back me up and stuff like that. I'll tell you this story one time. Um, I don't want to make it sound like I was, uh, trying to be a hero or something like that. Cause, uh, you know, it's my podcast that I'm talking, so it's going to sound kind of, kind of like that, but it's just the story of what happened. And my buddy Richard was there and we were at this guy, Steven's house, uh, area who lived down the street and we're chilling and there's these two girls that passed out. Right. And then one of them was passed out in the room and I was sitting outside and, uh, this guy was from a gang. So he goes in and starts kind of like touching the girl or whatever right so i opened the door and i was like hey man knock that shit off you know and i was in ninth grade so i was about a buck 25 and the guy's like what'd you fucking say to me and he goes outside and puts me up against the wall and he's just punking the shit out of me like he's 18 years old and um he has me against the wall and i was just trying to talk myself out of like no i wasn't trying to say anything i'm just saying duh, duh. you know and um he's uh he's like yeah bitch duh, duh, like pushing me and like kind of hitting my arm and this is going on for about 10 minutes no joke. Like, I was fucking terrified. I was like, this guy's going to kick my ass in the back of an alley and no one's going to do anything about it. What I didn't know is my buddy Russell, big subs, had walked down the street to get my big brother. And my big brother, all of a sudden, I see behind this guy this massive fucking shadow, like a fucking Sasquatch. You know what I'm saying? And uh, he's like, hey. And then the guy turns around and his eyes <laughs> turned to me. He turned to me, you know? <laughs> And my brother's like, what's up, motherfucker? And knocked his hat off and pushed him against the wall. I was like, yes, I'm just saying against my brother. And the, the dude's like, oh, no, no, no. Anyway, and then my brother saved my life. And we checked back to the house. And I was just like, god damn. If I didn't have a big brother, fuck. <laughs> that would have probably been it for me. But yeah, I never forgot that moment. That guy ended up um, doing serious time. I think he did like 25 years or something like that. Um, he was a piece of shit. And 
good good uh good thing that he's fucking locked up now. Um his name was Jack too. I mean, you know what gang he was from. For, you, for those of you guys that remember that shit, it was fucking wild. You know what I mean? So, anyway, that was just a random uh, story that came into my mind. I'll tell you this one, too. This is just another random one. But just talking about the racism stuff and the military, and it, it really made me think about this. Um, so, let's see. I apologize. I didn't rehearse this or anything either, so I'm trying to remember how exactly it happened. So, I was in A school. I was in Wichita Falls, Texas. I lived there for almost a year. For those of you guys that don't know Wichita Falls, Texas, don't try to get to know it because there's nothing there. <laughs> it's literally just flat, and there was a couple pig farms, I think, and an Air Force base. And there was this fucking racist guy, and his dad was a truck driver, and he was from Missouri, and he was saying some fucking dumb shit to me, and I said something to him, and he's like, oh, that's why all these fucking Mexicans, da 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 and I'm not 100% Mexican. I have Mexican in me. For sure, I'm a mutt. But I know when people say that, they're they're talking to me. When someone says, fuck Mexicans, and I'm there, I know they're, they're directing it towards me. Right? Like, it's not necessarily that I'm that or I'm not like, well, I'm not. Th- I know what they're doing. So I was like, I was like, what the fuck did you just say to me? And he said this and that. And we started getting into it in the middle of in class. So there's like, you know, our uh, teachers were soldiers. And they're like, you know, calm the fuck down. I cracked my knuckles, and then he cracked his knuckles making fun of me. And I was like, all right, motherfucker. All right, I'm not going to sit here and do this in front of everybody. I'm not an idiot. So we get up, and I go into the bathroom, and he's going to the bathroom. And uh, I remember this girl, Randall, was like, uh, she's like, someone better get these motherfuckers. (laughs) Right when he come in, I pushed him. This is when I learned you never push somebody unless you're going to engage, right? Because my thought was push him, see if he backs down. And that's usually kind of how we used to do it. For those of you guys that used to used to scuffle a little bit, it was you push me, I push you back, and then someone throws. Because it's like, you want to engage? Yes, I'll engage. Boom, we're engaged, right? But usually, um, that's, that's what I was used to. This guy did not want to be touched. So the second I pushed him, he fell back, and then he came up and threw a fucking overhand right. Just bam, landed on my fucking face. And I, that was the first time I've ever blacked out. And I think I woke up. Uh, because he fell leaning forward after he threw the right hand. So I fell, I kind of went out on top of him. So I think I, and I hit my chin on his back. Like I fell over him and that woke me up. And then I grabbed him and I, I kind of had his head and I was still dizzy and I pushed him back a little bit and I fucking kneed him in the face like bam. And then he just went limp. And then his buddy was on my back and trying to pull me off. And then, uh, we, we, we got, uh, we ended up going and doing a little bit of time for that one. <laughs> And they put us in a room together, and we had to live together right after this. So the whole point of the military was you don't have to like each other, but you have to know how to, to work together, right? So he went to the hospital, and he got his eye glued shut where they put um, – and this is where I learned that people think I'm fucking crazy when I have a cut on my face or something when I'm training. And I put super glue over it because it's the same thing they do in the, in the hospital. They pull the skin, they close it up, and then they put a layer of super glue over it. And that's, that's how they take care of it. And then when the glue falls off, usually the, the cut is closed, right? So I glued his eye. I went in for my lip. And I know the lady was just fucking with me. But she's like, you're going to have a scar and it's going to look deformed. What a fucking bitch, right? So she sewed my lip up on the side. And I had sort of the Joker, Heath Ledger um, kind of cracked smile for a while. But after like a year, it completely closed up. You can't even tell I have it anymore. I just have a really hard lump in my uh, my lip from it. But uh, after that, we actually became kind of cool, and we got used to each other's bullshit, and uh, it worked. You know, it worked, because after that, me and him, we knew how to work to each other. I knew him better than I knew the people I was cool with, you know? (sighs) 
reminiscing on military days. It's funny too because I hung out with uh, all the all the black dudes, <laughs> and they used to call me White Chocolate. So um, when we play, when we ball up and shit, they'd be like, "Man, tell White Chocolate, no, no." My buddy Devin Smith, man, I fucking tried to track this guy down for years after the military. I could never find him, but um, he was from the SIP, the Mississippi, and uh, he's fucking one of my best friends, man. I miss that guy so much. But you know, me and him used to go out. He taught me how to dance. He was like, we, "This is like when the Laffy Taffy came out." So he'd be like, "You throw the ball up." You catch it, you shake, you turn the left, you throw the ball up. <laughs> so he taught me how to dance. So if you guys still don't think I know how to dance, you got to talk to him about that because I think I'm pretty fire. You know what I'm saying? But anyway, um, yeah, so that was just a good memory I had. And I just wanted to share with you guys. It's super random and on the cusp that I throw it out there. But all this talk about militaries firing me up, all this talk about you know Josh coming on and then talking about the drug stuff, that's the shit that really is sort of helping me today, I think. I was just so lost yesterday. Like last night, I was just sitting there on the couch, like "fuck, dude." I don't know who my family is. I don't know who my friends are. I don't know this and that, you know. And then I kind of just like chilled for a minute, and sort of did the case that thing, where it's like whatever's gonna happen is gonna happen. This is the next part of your life. Like let's go, you know. Like fucking bite down on the mouthpiece and let's figure it out. Because either you're going backwards, you're going forward. I'm fucking going forward, right? So it's going to be good because we're going to talk about the recovery stuff, which is always a huge part for me and, and figuring out, you know, what God's plan is for me next and what I'm supposed to be doing to do his will, will not my own. Cause my will fucking sucks. You know what I'm saying? So I'm trying to do that. And then at the same time, uh, all the gym stuff, you know, I'm back in there, I'm training and stuff like that. And I got a lot of you guys hitting me up for privates, which I'm fucking so grateful for. Um, that's going to be good. You know, getting back in the r- rhythm of that. And then also just, um, sort of knowing where, where you were, you know, it's a good thing. I had a lot of great memories when I was younger, but I would never want to go back. You know, a lot of people say, oh, the good old days. I'm like, good old days? Like, this is fucking now. Like, this should be the good days too. It doesn't have to be in the past. And if you guys feel like right now is where you don't want to be, then you got to do something about it. You know what I mean? It's okay to feel like that. I feel like that right now, and I feel like it's not okay to feel like that. But when I talk to other people and I put myself out there, most people feel that way too. Like, what the fuck am I doing? I'm X amount of years old and I'm this and I'm that and I'm that. You know, and I'll tell you, we had four friends. I don't want to bring it down, but we had four friends die in the past two months. Four fucking friends from overdoses and heart failures. Four. And I think we're at that age, or I'm at that age now, where it's sort of which way are you going to go? Are you going to go this way? Because that's, you see where this is going. Or are you going to go this way? And if you go the wrong way, you know what's going to happen. There's no fucking mystery to it. This is going to happen. You're going to die, and you're going to be one of these guys. You know what I'm saying? So it's sort of that thing where you got to really make that that um, conscious decision to go the other way, and that's what I'm trying to do. And I don't know what's going to happen, but I'll tell you this much. I'm just going to fucking keep going. And hopefully, you know, God puts his plan in front of me, and we'll figure it out. So I hope you guys are doing the same thing. And um, I hope everyone's having a good day. And staying positive, you guys know if you need something, you go ahead and reach out to me. Um, I'm on the line 24-7. But other than that, dude, we got some good stuff coming up. I'm promising fire, and we're going to deliver some fucking fire. So just stay tuned. I might drop the episode next Monday, or I might just go ahead and drop it on Wednesday after we record, depending on what you guys think. Okay, I like to drop them early, so you know Monday through Friday, you guys might be able to catch on your way to work or something like that. But if I drop it closer to the weekend, I feel... That it doesn't get as much uh, time to get listened to. So, And I know Josh's episode and Daniel's episode are going to be fucking good. Because they're both great speakers. 
great stories and we got a lot of questions and a lot to talk about. So stay tuned for that, guys. Until then, you guys take care of yourself. Peace, love, and I'm out. All right. Express.